Welcome in to Sam and Gabby's Fantasy Show, the inaugural episode. We're excited to have you joining us. Excited to get started here. Episode one, mock draft. 10-team, PPR, regular mock draft. Um, before we get into that, though, introduce my co-host here, Gabby. Gabby, how you doing? Doing well here. You know, my name is Gabby. I've been in, into fantasy football for about, ooh, I would say about eight years now. Been a pretty avid fan. Uh, really like doing this stuff, and I'm really just excited to talk to you guys today. All right, and uh, before I get a little excited here, I'm going to skip myself. I'm Sam. Been into fantasy since I was a little kid. Uh, remember getting up on the dial-up computer to put in the fantasy lineups, so been a long time. Uh, excited to be putting out some content for you guys to share our, share our knowledge we've accumulated here. So uh, without further ado, we'll get right into it. Uh, a couple of big news items this last few days. Um, start off with the biggest one, obviously. J.K. Dobbins goes down. He's out for the year. The clear number two, Gus Edwards. How are we feeling about him, Gabby? How are we feeling about his draft, draft spot, his draft stock? Are you feeling comfortable with him? Are you feeling like you're drafting him at the same spot as Dobbins? Um, how do you feel about that overall Baltimore backfield? I think he's a low in RB2 this year. Um, with the injury to Dobbins, I see I do see an increase in workload for Gus Edwards. He got paid this offseason, so the Baltimore really do, do trust him. He is their first and second down running back, as we did see last year. And I also do see an increase for Lamar Jackson as well. With the explosive running of J.K. Dobbins out for the year, Lamar Jackson will need to be making more explosive plays, and I think that's going to be more upside for his rushing ability. And I think overall his quarterback value will be a steal out of the current ADP. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think uh, the underrated part of mobile quarterback is how good they make their running backs. Um, and I think that's been kind of hidden because Baltimore's used a kind of a committee-style backfield approach. I mean, last year they had Ingram, Dobbins, and Edwards, so nobody was really getting the huge bulk of that. Um, of course, Dobbins started to take that over by the end of the year, but um, I think that's kind of hidden the value that's in the Baltimore backfield. Um Unfortunately, I don't feel like they will ever go to one single running back, which is why I also have Gus Edwards still ranked as a low RB2, lower than where Dobbins was. I don't think you can trust him as much. Purely based off the talent, I think Dobbins was going to demand more time. Uh, but I do believe Baltimore wants to use multiple running backs in the backfield. They've run that system for years, and they've had at least multiple two running backs back there who have been getting solid carries the last few years here. So I wouldn't say that I'm super confident in Gus Edwards, but I do think he's a low-end RB2. You might be able to get him for a steal in some drafts where people aren't aware of who he is or don't trust him. Uh, but I do think he's a, a solid uh, pick. But I would also be aware of the potential that uh, Baltimore brings in a, a veteran. There's not very many good guys out there, but you could see Todd Gurley getting brought in or somebody like him. Um, I think that's unlikely, and even if that did happen, I think Gus Edwards still maintains the the main role there. But I think if that happens, of course, that that hurts his value. Uh, so just something to keep an eye on. But I do think he's a late round uh, or a later RB. He's an RB two, uh, excuse me. And uh, I have him ranked around forty four right now. So to um, in total players. So uh, next news uh, news update we have we have Trey Lance. He's going to be out for a week or so. He had a chip in his finger. Uh, that's an interesting injury. Uh, do you think he is going to lose the chance 
to earn that starting role, or do you think this affects when he earns that starting role? How do you feel about that uh, 49ers QB situation, Gabby? Um, personally, I feel like that 49ers QB situation was kind of set in stone from the beginning. Kyle Shanahan had said from the jump that Jimmy Garoppolo was his quarterback and was going to be his quarterback from day one. And us just the media – Fans in general just kept stirring the pot, seeing Trey Lance in preseason, making incredible throws, making having some flash moments, and we just kept asking the question. But Shanahan never wavered in his answer, and then at one point he just stopped answering it because he was tired of answering the same question every single day. He's sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo. That is his guy. He is 24-9 with Jimmy Garoppolo, and without Jimmy Garoppolo, he's 7-26. Seven and twenty-six. That is really bad. So that's surprising. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's coming out and he's starting Jimmy Garoppolo week one, and he was going to do that no matter what anyway. But I think now this just kind of delays the Trey Lance show. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a potential to waver, um, not waver, but to keep Trey Lance at bay for the entire year. That is because the reason why Trey Lance is there isn't over because Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a good starting quarterback. We saw him make it to the Super Bowl. Yes, he wasn't the driving factor, but he proven he was a good enough quarterback and was able to make the throws when it mattered to lead his team to the Super Bowl. The reason why Trey Lance is on that team is because Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. So if Jimmy Garoppolo still stays healthy, I don't see a reason why Trey Lance gets that starting job personally. So I have to ask you, I, I, of course, at some point, they're going to give the starting job to Trey Lance. You agree? For I mean, not this year, but – or maybe this year in your mind, but eventually Trey Lance becomes a 49ers starting quarterback. You agree? Yeah. So when do you think that happens? Do you think that doesn't happen at all this year? Are you feeling confident in that? Or how do you, how do you feel about that? I think it's going to be a Mahomes situation, barring some sort of Jimmy Garoppolo injury. I think Garoppolo's – a good enough quarterback, and they're going to win. They're going to start winning enough games to where you, they're not going to have a reason to pull out Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. I I kind of actually have a completely different uh, different view on the situation. I, it's interesting. Um, I have Trey Lance rated as my, my highest rated uh, quarterback for – rookie quarterback for fantasy. Um, I think he's the best quarterback that – with – that's paired with the running ability um, that's going to be lightning for fantasy. And I think it's just a matter of time until he gets in. I think there's no way that Trey Lance stays off the field this whole year. Um, They're going to be doing, or there's at least rumors and I believe them to be true that they're going to have packages for Trey Lance, even if Garoppolo is the starter, uh, which I do think is highly likely. I think there's, I don't think it's intelligent for, uh, the 49ers to put Trey Lance out there, risk him struggling and then having to be taken off for Garoppolo. I think that's a big problem for the organization. I think they're much better off if they go with Garoppolo until he messes up. And then if he does, he falters, then everybody will be more accepting of Trey Lance coming in. Nobody will think, Oh, maybe they messed up. They need to put in Garoppolo. So I think you let Garoppolo come in and I think there's going to be a moment where he falters. I don't think Garoppolo is good enough to withstand that pressure at his back. Or I think there's a chance that in those packages that Trey Lance comes in, I think he shows what he's able to do. And I think that they're chomping at the bit to get him in once that happens. So I think Trey Lance guaranteed 
comes in and starts some games this year uh, for the 49ers, even with the injury, although that does make me a little nervous. I would have really liked to see him be healthy this entire preseason and really show what he's got. But I do think he won't start the season, but I don't think it's long before he gets in uh, because I do think he's going to show what he has on the field athletically. And I think that uh, with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, they're, they're a team that wants to run the ball. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, a mobile quarterback really, really helps you run games. So um, helps the running backs on your team. So I do think that they want Trey Lance to go in uh, because of what he can do and what he can become. And I think he's going to show enough to get that. Uh, so I do think uh, Trey Lance, the injury, it's a little concerning, but not something to worry about too much. I'm still drafting him fairly high. I'm still drafting him in the top 100. So Interesting, interesting. All righty. Um, so are we ready to get into our breakouts here? Oh, yeah. All Let's right. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, uh, my first breakout that I have for this upcoming year is Mr. Justin Fields, um, quarterback for the Chicago Bears. He is currently quarterback two behind Andy Dalton, but I don't foresee that happening very long. My projections see him starting as soon as week two, right after the Rams game. Um, I think they're letting Andy Dalton stay there just to take some hits um, from Aaron Donald and company. And then after he looks like he's not able to throw the ball anymore, they'll put in Justin Fields. And one thing I really like about Justin Fields is his accuracy. Um, he was able to complete 68% of his throws in college while also completing 70% while at Ohio State. So he's able to show that he makes accurate throws, and he's been able to show that throughout the preseason, making accurate throws on the run, when also be able to showcase his 4-5 speed. And he's also really good at running the ball, running 19 touchdowns in 34 games. The Chicago offensive line is eh, so I think he's going to have opportunities to run the ball around, be a scrambler, kind of like Russell Wilson in his uh, – rookie season and his offensive weapons are actually pretty good when you look at it he's got David Montgomery Tariq Cohen Cole Komet coming in your second year and we know that's when people break out is the most is in their second year along with Darnell Mooney who's coming into his own in his second year along with Jimmy Graham and Allen Robinson so all in all I think he's going to be I think he's going to end up being a QB1 this year and you can get him at the end of your draft as a late round flyer um, the running upside is just super supreme with him. And I think he's going to be able to take the job very early on, as opposed to Trey Lance I alluded to earlier. He probably won't have the opportunity to end the season being up there. So I think right now I have him as my quarterback 14, but the upside of a QB one, I've been picking him in all drafts and he's been my QB two in every single league I've drafted in so far. I think, uh, I think Justin Fields is a great breakout pick. I have him as one of my breakouts as well. I don't have him as highly rated as Trey Lance, but I do have them back-to-back -back in my rankings. And my overall rankings, I have Trey Lance 89th and Justin Fields 90th and in the same tier. I think Trey Lance is a better quarterback. However, as we talked about previously, his situation isn't as clear. It's not as guaranteed that he's going to get on the field. But I do think he is a better quarterback. I, I personally – very much trust Kyle Shanahan. And I think he had, he, well, I don't think I know he had the choice to take either one and he chose Trey Lance and I trust his decision there. 
Um, that's not the end-all be-all, of course, but I do believe Trey Lance is a better quarterback. He was higher in my personal rankings. Uh, Justin Fields, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I do think his physical traits are incredible. Um, and I think he's a boomer bust pick, um, the quintessential boomer bust pick. I think he's going to come in and fail miserably, or he's going to come in and light it up for fantasy. The Bears, great defense. They're going to want to run the ball and protect the ball. So if Trey, or excuse me, if Justin Fields gets on the field, I think he's just going to be running the ball, protecting the ball. Um, and his throwing, I think, is one of – or his throwing amongst the rookie quarterbacks, I think, is probably uh, – he has par- probably one of the farthest uh, ways to go to be able to be a good thrower in the NFL, personally. Um, that's how I feel about Justin Fields. But I do think he's a great flyer pick. Um, he's going to be either below the, uh, the middle, the median for quarterbacks, or above it. And I think that's a valuable thing to have just because so many quarterbacks are right there in the middle. So many quarterbacks are right about – 16 or 17 points on a regular basis enough to get you to where you want to be, but you'd love to have a guy who could put up more, get you a little bit of an advantage. And I think that taking Justin Fields or Trey Lance as the second quarterback, well, along with one of those more safe guys like a Matt Ryan or a Kirk Cousins is an amazing combination because the chance that you get a guy who's going to be a top 10 due to their running ability. Um, so even though I'm not the biggest Justin Fields fan, I love him for fantasy because of what, just because of his situation and what they think they're, how they think they're going to use him. So definitely a big Justin Fields fan. Uh, so moving on to my first sleeper, let's see here. I'm going to mention Odell Beckham Jr. Not a real sleeper. I know a name that everybody knows, but I think he's being forgotten and disrespected in fantasy drafts. Everybody thinks Baker Mayfield plays better without the, his number one wide receiver. I'm here to tell you that doesn't make any sense. I don't know why that would be. I just don't think that makes any sense. Now, I'm not here to say, oh, his stats, you see when he's on the field, this and that. You know, I don't have those for you. I'm an Odell Beckham believer. I don't have a ton of stats other than he was one of the best receivers in the NFL for years. He's had a couple of years where he's had some injury problems. Came to Cleveland, which was a team that was in disarray even when they were in their second year with Baker and they were looking up, they still had Freddie Kitchens at the helm and we all know how that worked out. So I don't think you can say Odell Beckham has been the problem. I think Cleveland's had a lot of problems. He's had a lot of problems being in New York with Eli Manning, who threw a pick on every other throw uh, when he was there or when he was there with young, young Danny Dimes. So, you know, he hasn't had, um, he hasn't had the greatest situations. And I think this is the first year where everything's kind of all coming together. Baker's confident in the system. He it had last year under his belt in the system. So he's not going to be forcing it to Odell in my opinion. Um, so I think that Odell is a much better draft pick than people give him credit for right now. I have him ranked 64th overall. I have him slightly below players like T Higgins, uh, Chase Claypool, Robbie Anderson, but ahead of people like Kenny Galladay, Cortland Sutton, um, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, Debo Samuel, Jerry Judy. I have him ahead of all of those guys, guys that people are excited to draft that I think he's going to perform better than. Um, So I would say Odell Beckham is going to be a very, very, very famous sleeper this year. Yeah, I currently have him as a wide receiver three, a high-end wide receiver three. No, actually – Sorry, let me – a low-end wide receiver three. But he has the upside to be a 
wide receiver too I see he just has a talent and the ability one thing I would push back on is that he isn't a running first offense and I know you like to brush it over but it was proven last year that Baker Mayfield was a better quarterback when Odell Beckham was off the field the stats back it up um and he was also able to um just spread the ball out to more people. The offense just looked better. It looked more fluid. It, it, they looked like a, a more balanced team. So I think OBJ might have a bounce back year, but I would not be surprised speaking more of a real NFL term this year. This is his make it or break it year. If he doesn't do anything this year, he's definitely not going to be a Brown next year, given their contract situations, um, having to pay Baker Mayfield this coming off season. I definitely think that uh, if he doesn't do it this year, he's going to – he's definitely not going to be a Brown much longer. And uh, peek behind the curtain, huge Odell Beckham fan, big Browns fan personally. So this is a little bit of a homer pick, not going to lie to you. And, yes, I am a little bit concerned by the fact that he's in a run-first offense. And, again, I don't have him ranked as anything super high. I have him about a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four like you. Uh, but – I think he has the potential to be much higher, um, high-end too. Um, and I think that because I think that people were looking more at the team's performance on offense last year than Odell's actual stats. And now they weren't great as far as fantasy, but they weren't bad either. Uh, Odell against Baltimore, in my opinion, one of the best defenses in the league, five points. Next week, Cincinnati, crap, 17 Washington, 9, 9.9, almost 10. Dallas, 38, worst defense in the league last year. Indianapolis, solid defense, 11 points. And then Pittsburgh, another great defense, four and a half. And then after that, he didn't play the rest of the season. So we're talking just in games that he played full games, there's only two games under nine points out of the first six games. And as far as a receiver that you can get, in the 60s, in round six, that is not bad. Now, he didn't have the most yards. He wasn't lighting the world on fire, and they weren't winning all the games. But those are stats you will take and you will be happy with. Um, none of the receivers that I mentioned that are below him or right below him in my rankings, like I said, again, uh, Kenny, Gall- or Kenny Galladay was solid, but he's on a new team this year. But players like uh, Juju, Debo, uh, Jerry Judy, those guys, those guys were not getting four weeks that you were happy with out of six. Um, they have a chance to this year, but they were not getting that last year. Um, and while Odell wasn't the best he could possibly be, I think that he was underratedly good and a worthy draft pick this year. All right. And sticking in the division there and at the same position, I'm going to go with the 6'4", 238-pound freak uh, coming out of the Notre Dame uh, Mapletron, also known as Chase Claypool, as my second breakout candidate, um, had a monster, monster rookie season. Some would argue he has already broken out, but I think there's a couple more levels this guy can go to. First, he's just not your average guy. Again, he's 6'4", 238, runs a 4'4", and has a 41-inch vertical. Um, also, during his season, he was also able to have a massive breakout game um, in week four, scoring four touchdowns and 116 yards. And he was only uh, 
he only played 64% of the snap share his rookie season and was able to score 11 total touchdowns. That is definitely going up in year two, along with his um, – he just fell short of the 1,000 yards. So I think that would definitely hit on the over. One thing that also is going to regress is his touchdowns in the red zone. He was targeted nine times in the red zone inside the 10 last year and only converted three catches for the, one of the lowest percentages in the league at 33%. That is definitely going to regress back to the mean this coming year as he's a 6'4 freak, and I just don't think people are going to be able to guard him on the fade route or be able to really guard him in the red zone. Um, also, one of the big concerns that people had with Chase Claypool coming up this year were was if Big Ben was going to be able to still be able to throw the ball as well as he did in years past. And throughout this preseason, we've been able to see that Big Ben still has a cannon fit. He came in in shape. And Big Ben is looking like not so much Big Ben anymore. He might just be Ben. So uh, I'm pretty excited to see how the Pittsburgh offense looks this year. I'm a really big proponent of them. I love Juju at his ADP. I love Chase Claypool at his ADP, Deontay Johnson at his ADP, and even Najee Harris at his ADP. If you can get him as your RB2, I love that upside. So Chase Claypool has the upside of a wide receiver one in that offense, and the touchdown upside is just going to come back up to norm. Oh, one last point on that. My bad. Um, Juju Smith also had a very high, a ridiculously high amount of uh, touchdowns. Last year in the red zone, on nine targets, he caught eight receptions for seven touchdowns. So I think that's going to regress back, and Chase Claypool is going to even that out and catch more touchdowns than last year. And if you're able to catch more than 11, uh, give me that every day of the week. I uh, I like you. I'm extremely high on the Steelers' offense this year. Um, for example, I have Najee Harris ranked at 16 overall. Um, and I have um, Deontay Johnson at 40 overall. Not quite as high on uh, um, Juju, but I am really high on the others. And I did want to point out one other thing. I, I'm very high on Chase, Chase Claypool. He's uh, my 59th overall res- uh, player, and I do think he has a high chance to over uh, overperform that. I did want to do one player comparison. Absolute beef, beast, DK Metcalf. Right, DK Metcalf, we can all agree, awesome. Yeah. Six six four, right? Two thirty five. This guy runs a four three three forty, right? Now he got drafted a little bit later than maybe he should have. You know who else got drafted a little bit later than maybe they should have? Chase, Chase Claypool. Claypool. You know what Chase Claypool his physicals are? Six four, two thirty eight. <laughs> runs a four. Point four two forty, so not quite as fast, but still blazing. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but from what I saw last year on the field, Chase Claypool is the real deal. He's got it in the stats, he's got it physically, and he's got it. He's got a good enough quarterback, and he's in a team that perennially drafts great receivers. Uh, so I'm all in on Chase Claypool. I think he's basically you're basically poten- uh, drafting potentially uh, DK Metcalf and anybody at pick 59 drafting DK Metcalf would be over the moon. So uh, yeah, love, love Chase Claypool. Um, 
Moving on to uh, some more player comparisons. Uh, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Now, I am high on Tyler Higby, and Gabby is high on Gerald Everett. So, my case, I'll go first. Why, why Tyler Higby and not Gerald Everett? Well, first off, Gerald Everett going to the Seahawks. I don't know. I guess the last time they were really productive with a tight end was Jimmy Graham. Uh, but they haven't really had a tight end that was overly productive for fantasy since then. And Jimmy Graham wasn't that great for them back when he was a Seahawk. Um, I'm not confident that the Seahawks are going to try to feed the tight end. They could barely keep their keep feeding their own top two fantasy targets in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at the end of last year. I don't think they're going to be completely bought into – letting Russell Wilson just pass the ball around. I think they're still at heart a run team, a run first team. I don't think their offense is going to change drastically. I'm thinking they're going to be a little bit more of the same, and that's been very good for the Seahawks. But I'm not high on any other Seahawks pass catchers other than Lockett and DK Metcalf, and I'm certainly not high on Gerald Everett. Now, on the other hand, Tyler Higby, the one I am high on, now I'm not saying he's an amazing amazing tight end or anything you're not going to be blown out of the water I'm not saying to skip out on the top three tight ends that we all know to try to get Tyler Higby no 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 the only thing is only three people can get those top three tight ends so you're going to have to get somebody if you don't get one of those three so if that happens to you Tyler Higby is my number 104th overall player just because you can get him so low but I think he's set up for a great opportunity he with Gerald Everett last year and the year before. In 2020, Tyler Higby had three games over 10 points. Gerald Everett only had two, but that's five games over 10 points, which not great for a tight end, but usable. And that was with Jared Goff in a year they struggled a little bit on offense. Nothing major, but they weren't as potent as they had been in the past. In 2019, Tyler Higby had six uh, games over 10 points. Gerald Everett, again, only had four. So I'm, I'm led to believe that the Rams thought Tyler Higby was a better player. They're, they kept him around. So I'm inclined to agree with that. I do think that Tyler Higby is a better player than Gerald Everett. And I think he's the one who stuck around in the system that is more inclined to use the tight end. Uh, and he's got the role essentially to himself this year. So I'm high on, on Tyler Higby, not so much on Gerald Everett, but I'm excited to hear what you have to say. <clears throat> Yeah, so what I really like about Gerald Everett this year is that he signed a one-year deal. And what do we know about one-year deals? They're prove-it deals. People go out there, and you know they're working during the offseason. It's the one time an ath- as an athlete, maybe during their rookie season as well, that you know they're working really hard is when they're on that one-year deal. They don't know where their next paycheck is coming from. And this year, he's playing with – would you agree with me this is the best quarterback he's played with by, like, two or three steps? Jared Probably Goff. more steps, yeah. Probably <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. So, also, um, do we, the new uh, offensive coordinator for the Seahawks is Shane Waldron. Shane Waldron was the Rams' passing game coordinator and was one of the main reasons why uh, Gerald Everett signed with the Seahawks. So, I think that chemistry is going to play a big part in Everett's uh, role as a Seahawk, he obviously is going to be the third pe- uh, star behind Lockett and Metcalf. 
But I think Lockett's touchdowns are going to regress to the mean. He caught an absurd amount of touchdowns last year. I think seven in the red zone on 10 targets, if I'm not mistaken. And that, again, was like an 88% catch rate. That is just something that I just do not believe is sustainable for somebody that is 5'9", 5'10", 160. No matter how much chemistry you have in the red zone, I think that the size and your ability, that is just going to regress. And also, Jared Everett is an athletic freak, um, running a 4.6 at the tight end position with a 37-and-a-half-inch vertical. I think that he is going to be Russell Wilson's best tight end. And we've never seen Russell Wilson with a dynamic person down the middle. We know he has one of the best deep balls in the game, if not the best deep ball. So if Gerald Everett is able to stretch the field down the middle and Russell Wilson is able to pinpoint, strike those balls down the seams, I think this could be Gerald Everett's best season yet. And with the tight end position wavering a lot after the next, after like the first four or five, um, I think you could get a lot of value here with Gerald Everett, getting him at the back end of your round, going heavy on the running back, wide receiver, quarterback. If you miss on top three or four, just waiting to get Gerald Everett and maybe picking up Irv Smith Jr. as well, someone who's hurt that you can easily pick him up off of waivers in most of your leagues and just rock with those two athletic freak tight ends and talent wins in fantasy football and in the league in general. So those players will definitely show out. I think that's uh, going back to something you said earlier, just the sheer amount of touchdowns that uh, Tyler Lockett got. Um, that I was not aware of. That's a really interesting stat, and I think that's personally something that will make me have to reevaluate my um, position on Gerald Everett just because I – in no world do I think that Russell Wilson is not going to be throwing touchdowns. So they got to go to somebody. So if they can't, they can't, they're probably not going to all go to Tyler Lockett again. I mean, for his owners, I hope they do, but I doubt they will all go to him again. So that's, that's definitely a good point. I'll have to keep that in mind and maybe adjust my own rankings. But um, next comparison that we wanted to talk about here, and, you know, I'm going to let you go first because I'm dying to hear this. This is uh, very contrarian from Gabby, but I personally, I have DeAndre Swift as one of my top running backs this year. Um, not top, top, but I have him around 30. Let's see here. I have 33 is my overall ranking for DeAndre Swift. So I think he's an early round three player, but you actually have Jamal Williams ahead of him. And I want to know why. Um, reason why is because I think the talent – is just supreme to uh, to DeAndre Swift um, in fifty, not 50, in the games that he played over fifty percent last year. Uh, Jamal Williams actually averaged eighteen point three fantasy points a game, it, not fifty percent. Sorry, let me mistaken. Fifteen touches in any game he got fifteen touches or more, he averaged eighteen point three fantasy points a game. So your next question is. Gabby, why do you think he's able to get 15 touches in the Detroit offense with DeAndre Swift obviously being the lead back? I don't – right now, I don't argue that he's not the lead back. But someone's going to have to touch the ball. Marvin Jones is gone. Kenny Galladay is gone. TJ Hawkinson is the only real still receiver, and DeAndre Swift are the still offensive threats that are still there. So somebody's going to have to take those touches, and I see – 
Anthony Lynn, the new offensive coordinator, using the role of Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon with his two duos. From there, I think John, uh, Jamal Williams takes the role of Melvin Gordon and is the runner, and DeAndre Swift is the guy who's out wide catching passes. Jamal Williams has also caught 25 passes in the last four seasons, so he also has a, a keen ability to catch the ball. I have a stat here about Anthony Lynn's actually running ability, the running back <laughs> whisperer. He, uh, when he was in uh, San Diego, now known as LA, he had both Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon, both fantasy superstars, I would argue. In that offense, that was the definition of a dual head monster and they averaged 23 carries a game and nine targets. Both running backs, Eckler finished RB4, and Melvin Gordon finished RB23. And Gordon finished RB15 on a points-per-game basis, showcasing that Anthony Lynn's offenses can easily, easily support two running backs in any fantasy league. And Jamal Williams, again, with that stat of 15 touches, equaling over 18 points. I think that overall, including the Detroit Lions, very, very good offensive line, is going to showcase that um, he's going to be a steal at his ADP. And if I get Jamal Williams as my RB, my first RB off the bench in any league, I'm ecstatic, ecstatic. Okay, well, I I appreciate that information. However, I do think that personally, I do feel like those stats tell a different story. I think uh, to start off, you mentioned that you think that DeAndre Swift is the Austin Eckler to um, Jamal Williams is Melvin Gordon. Well, you said yourself that Austin Eckler finished the number four and Melvin Gordon finished the 22, which is in a 10-team league, barely even a usable running back, a flex, or the number four running back. Um, And that's, I think, due to pass catching. You said – in the last, what was it, three seasons, Jamal Williams has caught 25 passes each year. Mm-hmm. In DeAndre Swift's single year where he only played 13 games and was not the starter the whole year, he had 46 receptions. I don't think that's slowing down. I think you could totally be right. And that could be – it could be a Jamal – it could be a Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon situation. But I think Austin Eckler was the running back you wanted to have in that situation. He's the one who's still there. He's the one who scored better when he was there. He was the one who was more uh, durable. Now, we don't know if that'll continue, but I think the guy who catches passes is slightly higher, likely to be more durable than the guy who's pounded up the middle. Um, but I also wanted to mention how good DeAndre Swift was just as a rookie, He's just as far as fantasy points. He had 10 games where he was over 10 points. He only played in 13, which is actually not bad for a running back. Um, he only had uh, three games where he was under 10 points. One of those games, he left early. So he's had three games where he didn't play, three games under 10 points. He's a rookie, he busted. And one of those games, he left early. He only was there for able to take about 9% of the snaps. So he probably left around the second or third quarter. So he didn't even get close to the full game. So looking at his stats from last year, his points, I don't see how you can not see an extremely explosive player willing to take the breakout. However, I do have to say I do agree with you that Jamal Williams is a good running back. 
who's going to get work. And I do think that he's going to take away from DeAndre Swift, unfortunately. I think DeAndre Swift is a better dynasty pick than he is a redraft pick, but I still think he's a great redraft pick. I think he does have to deal with a little bit of uh, volume getting taken by Jamal Williams, but I think he's a top top 40 player um, and one of the better running backs you could get in a very solid um, lower-end RB2, high-end RB3. So, uh, Unless there were any other players, Gabby, you wanted to touch on, move on, we can move on to our main event. No, I think I'm, ready for the, I'm ready for the main event, if you are. Awesome. I am, of course, ready. I'm excited for it. So, we have a 10-team PPR draft. Like I said before, standard. We got one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, tight end, a flex. Uh, we didn't put any defenses or kickers in this draft uh, just because, you know, kickers are a crapshoot anyways. And defenses, we can talk about on another episode. So, uh, to start off with here, just to let you know where we're at, I am the number four pick. Gabby's going to be the number eight pick. The first three picks of the draft have already happened. We've got oops, uh, we've got Christian McCaffrey going number one overall. That's not a surprise at all. Uh, Derek Henry gets taken number two in this draft, who I would not have picked. I think Dalvin Cook's the clear number two. I think it's cl- cle- clearly a number one uh, from Christian McCaffrey, clearly number two, Dalvin Cook. And then I think clearly number three, Alvin Kamara. How do you feel about that, Gabby? I think it's a tier. I think it's McCaffrey and Cook by themselves. And then it's Kamara, Henry, Zeke, Barkley, all in the, that next tier. But Cook and McCaffrey are good. It's either one, barring injury, are going to be the RB1. I don't know which one it's going to be, but it's going to be one of those. We had – the guy who has a thousand recept it's gonna have a thousand receiving yards and a thousand receptions uh, and a thousand rushing yards in McCaffrey or the best home run hitter in the game in Dalvin Cook. So I think that I think that's very likely that they'll be the top two. I think the only one that I really would be betting on to maybe even have a chance to get up there is Alvin Kamara. Like I said, I think he's in a I think he's the next one down and I think he's in a tier to himself. Um so I'm going to take Alvin Kamara here. And then we are going to see the next few picks go here. My screen, Jamal, should, uh, my screen, Jonathan Taylor at fifth. That is interesting. Um, that my screen is, should be showcasing the. It is. I can see it on there. Um, Hold on, Gabby. Went a little ahead of myself. All right, it is your pick. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh. <laughs> um, I'm telling you who you're taking. <laughs> uh, here we see that it went Alvin Kamara after uh, with Sam's pick, and then Jonathan Taylor at fifth. Interesting pick there with Derrick Henry taken. I would have taken Saquon Barkley there, and then Devontae Adams, and then Saquon. So now I have an interesting pick here at eight. I would ex- have expected Zeke to be off the board here, but he's not off the board. And usually I have Travis Kelsey slated at seven, but Zeke slated at four. So here I have to take Zeke. I really wanted – picking at eight, I wanted to see how my team would come out picking Travis Kelsey at my first, in my first round. And I think at eight he's a perfect – this is a perfect spot to pick Travis Kelsey. But Zeke just fell too far, so I have to pick him here. I, I think that's 
Exactly correct. I actually have Travis Kelsey rated as my number eight overall player, but I have Zeke about tied with Derrick Henry for number four overall. So I don't, I don't see how you don't take him. The real shock of what's gone on so far is just the Jonathan Taylor pick, like you said, uh, fifth overall. I have him ranked as about my 14th player. I could see him taking, I could take him as high as 11, uh, but I, I would have, I, I think there's a running back premium, but that is really high. Um, so moving around the corner here, Nick Chubb comes off and Tyree kill Travis Kelsey goes at the two Oh one Austin Eckler, the two, two, and it comes to Gabby again. All right. So here I got a couple options that are pretty interesting. I got every wide receiver. I got this one more guy. I would say at the, top end of the wide receiver one conversation and Stefan Diggs. Or I can go with DK Metcalf or DeAndre Hopkins. Guys are still going to be super solid for me. But I think the pick here, there's one running back left in my tier that has just set himself away from everybody else with two back-to-back RB, uh, top five RB finishes. And the guy had, I have just been hyping up for the last five minutes is gone. So there's no reason why I don't take him here. So I'm taking Aaron Jones at the 203 spot. And my team is looking pretty nice now with Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott being my star running backs. I don't even – now you should always kind of look at running backs, but now I'm not worried about my running backs. There's not going to be a single universe where Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott aren't playing – that they are playing football, and I'm not starting them on my team. So – A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard are the guys I'm looking for, and those are the only running backs that are going to be on my roster. Okay. I personally think that running backs have a high value, even if you end up trading them. So if I were you, I'd probably end up still looking for another running back round three or four, or in round, uh, excuse me, four or five, um, maybe even higher. But like you said, definitely no no rush. Um, Yeah, those are some really good solid picks, uh, especially for pick eight. If you end up in a draft and you get pick eight and you get Zeke and Aaron Jones, you should be very happy. So, all right. So next players off the board, DK Metcalf. That's pretty high for me. I would have not even been considering him until round three. Uh, Stephon Diggs, really good pick in my opinion. Falls a little bit. Patty Mahomes, of course, he's got to go early. Um, For me, he's not even the quarterback one this year. Um, Kyler Murray is, in my opinion. So we're looking at the remaining players, players that are in contention for me. Najee Harris, interesting. Joe Mixon, Calvin Ridley. And I would say those are definitely going to be the guys I'm looking at here. My highest rated player is Calvin Ridley by far. But if I take a look at my tiers here. Just a question. Do you have – can I hear the rankings between Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins? You have Calvin Ridley by far ahead of DeAndre Hopkins? Did I hear that correctly? Let me see here. Not by far, but I have him a tier ahead. I have currently of the players available right now, I have it ranked Calvin Ridley, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris. Then I have a tier break, and I have – Antonio Gibson, then DeAndre Hopkins, then Darren Waller, then Nick Chubb. So those are the players that I'm considering right here. 
Um, generally here, I would want to go for a running back premium. And the reason I have DeAndre Hopkins low is just because I'm not sure he gets hyper-targeted in the Arizona offense. Um, and I don't think I even have him that low personally. I just think that he's not as good as a receiver as Calvin Ridley or Stephon Diggs. And I have – I place a premium on running backs. So I have Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, and Najee Harris ahead of him, as well as Antonio Gibson. Um, but from peer – on a peer receiver uh, ranking, he, he would be right behind Calvin Ridley. He'd be my second receiver on the board. Like I said, though, I place a premium on running backs because there's quite a few here right now, but in a couple rounds there will not be. Um, so I am going to do Calvin Ridley just because he is the highest player on my board. And I think there's going to be another running back or two that I can get later that I'll be happy with. So, Gabby, do you do? Would you have taken Calvin Ridley, or would you? Are you more interested in DeAndre Hopkins? Do you think I would be? I'm making a mistake there. I think you are. I think DeAndre Hopkins has proven over the last four or five years he is the most consistent wide receiver in the game no matter who his quarterback's been we've seen him with tom savage we've seen him with uh brian hoyer and then he got deshaun watson and then now he has kyler murray and i think year two that connection is just going to get stronger and stronger and i have projected arizona being a four and 13 team this year so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot and I think in that tough division, you're going to see DeAndre Hopkins being hyper-targeted a lot because we like to think their offense is really good. But when you start looking at the skill positions and start breaking them down, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, the second skill position player might be a 33-year-old A.J. Green, who, for all intents and purposes, was like the third or fourth best receiver on the Bengals last year. And don't get me wrong, I love Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, but A.J. Green should have been better than them. So, I don't know. I think DeAndre – I do love Calvin Ridley, though. I, I don't blame you for taking him because it's Atlanta. It's Matt Ryan. Julio's gone. Calvin Ridley was a monster last year. So, I don't blame you, but I would have taken DeAndre personally. I feel – really happy with my Calvin Ridley pick. I, I don't feel personally that I made a mistake picking him over DeAndre Hopkins. I do really, um, I do really hear what you're saying though, in regards to his overall ranking, that might be something I have to go back and uh, reevaluate because like I said, I do have Kyler as my number one overall quarterback and he's going to have to throw to somebody. So um, that is maybe something I'm going to have to go back and evaluate. And that brings me to a great point. Um, that I just want to mention at some point in this episode is just that in fantasy, the biggest thing you can do wrong is to not be willing to change or learn um, when you get more information or as the season goes on. I think you have to always stay water. Uh, a lot of the players we draft are because they have a high potential to boom or bust, and we're going to find out if they're good or bad and we can get them and either keep them on our roster as a contributor or move on to somebody else who might be able to do that. So we obviously are drafting players that might not be as good at the end uh, with as maybe somebody else, but with the higher ceiling. So I think it's just really important to keep in mind that you're not set in stone with your rankings and it's okay to change. Um, and I'm doing that a little bit right now, as I hear Gabby talk about DeAndre Hopkins. So I just think that's 
really important um, to consider and be aware of and to allow yourself to be wrong because you are going to be wrong at some point in the season. Um, if you weren't, you'd always win every fantasy draft ever <laughs> and you'd be doing this, not us. So um, that's, that's just my two cents that I really like to add. Um, so right now it's my pick again. Um, last few people who went were DeAndre Hopkins after me, of course, Najee Harris, Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon, and Antonio Gibson. Those two running backs specifically I'm very high on uh, this year. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a little high for – or, you know, actually I would have taken him by now for sure. So I think that's a great pick. Um, and then – so Clyde and then my pick. So right now here I was really thinking when I took my last pick that I was going to have a running back that I wanted to fall to me. But I am staring Darren Waller right in the face right now. And he is going to have to be my guy because the tight ends are so valuable. There's only three good ones or great ones that we all know. There might be a couple more good ones, but I think Darren Waller is the number two tight end this year because I think Derek Carr is an underrated quarterback. I think this is just another year in the system. I think they're him, Derek Carr, the entire offense is going to be more settled in. Um, and I think they're going to be a little bit better than they were last year. I don't think they'll be great. So I still think they'll still have to throw in every game. Um, and I think that he's just a beast. And the only guy who could be the number two other than him would be uh, George Kittle. And I just think that the chance that Trey Lance isn't the greatest passer and that he gets in um, makes me a little bit more hesitant on George Kittle. Um, so that's why I picked Darren Waller over George Kittle. Um, Gabby, George Kittle or Darren Waller? I'm a Darren Waller guy. There isn't as many proven commodities here at Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, guys. Um, a couple things that I need to break the news on. DeAndre Swift went at the 306 pick. Um, I think Sleeper's uh, AI is messed up there. Uh, we got to go back and <laughs> make sure that is okay. Uh, that would be after. The ground pick. That would be after where I have him ranked. I have DeAndre Swift uh, ranked at the 33rd overall pick. So I think that's an amazing pick. <laughs> I don't see how you don't like DeAndre Swift. We will be having a bet on this. DeAndre <laughs> Swift is awesome. The fact that he went ahead of George Kittle is absurd and wrong, but it happened. And if George Kittle had gone where he was supposed to, that wouldn't be so crazy. But back to your question, sorry. I would have picked Jaron Waller at that spot. That is a great pick. I was hoping you were not going to go tight end. Um, I'm very big proponent of uh, – Top tight ends. I've been a big proponent. I think I've been on this bandwagon for a couple of years now. Uh, having a strong tight end is very key to winning because at the end of the day, your running backs and your wide receivers when you're in your matchups week to week are going to balance out for the most part. So you're going to have to find those positional matchups. And quarterback, it's a little bit easier to find that. So with your tight ends, we only know that Travis Kelsey, Gronk, it's like there's a, though, there are guys who are going to be consistent every year, and we know who they are. And there's usually two or three. One of them gets hurt. The other two are shining, and then there's one guy that we never really knew about at the beginning of the year. So I'm going to try to get the guy that doesn't get hurt this year. So I think Darren Wall is number two uh, over, over George Kittle in that regard. 
But at my 308 spot, I was really hoping George Kittle fell to me. This is the perfect spot to pick him. Um, That'd be an absolute steal. <laughs> so now that he is gone, I am pivoting to wide receiver. I did make a quick look at quarterback, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. They do look appealing to me, but I think I can get one of them on the turn. So that will be the plan as of now. So we're looking at wide receiver. My rankings have the highest person here as Keenan Allen as wide receiver seven. Um, I think he's the pick here. He's in a potent offense. Justin Herbert's going into year two. You're going to hear me say this again. Year two blowouts, are that's when you see the biggest growth from player to player. He's in one of the best route runners in the league, one of the highest red zone targets in the league. I think with Hunter Henry gone and Jared Cook, who's a very inconsistent tight end at that, I think Keenan Allen's going to see another good year with over 90 receptions in the last two seasons. I think he's going to explode. So Keenan Allen, the pick here. Some other people I'm considering as well are Allen Robinson. If I didn't have consistency for my running back position, I think it, a lot of it does – you do have to think about roster construction here. So, for example, if I had a running back that I was kind of leaning on more about upside. So, like, for example, let's say I did draft DeAndre Swift or CEH as my RB2. Then I would think I would look at for somebody who I know I'm going to get 15 to 18 points a week from. So, Keenan Allen, yeah, he still falls in that category. But Allen Robinson – looks way more appealing there just because I know what I'm getting. But since my RBs are so solid, I do want that upside. So I'm picking Keenan Allen. I actually think that uh, Keenan Allen's a better better pick here than Robinson. I'm I'm a little nervous about Justin Fields personally getting in the pass game. Um, I mentioned, I talked about how I felt like he was one of the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks who had a ways to go in the passing game. Uh, so I'm – and I love – absolutely love Justin Herbert – um, as a player, Allen Robinson goes right after Keenan. Um, love Allen Robinson as a player. Uh, so, or excuse me, love Justin Herbert as a player. So I think personally Keenan Allen for me, just have a lot more confidence. Um, and before you make this pick, Gabby, I did want to say, I earlier did misspeak a little bit. I did say that I thought that was the perfect spot for DeAndre Swift to go. I did have him a little bit farther back in my rankings, but only about six or seven spots back. And considering the running backs and wide receivers around him in my rankings, um, not a bad pick at all in my mind. But I did have him a little bit farther back than I said. I just wanted to say that. But, Gabby, what are you thinking here on this pick? So on this pick, we have Josh Jacobs, Terry McLaurin, and Josh Allen have gone before me. Um, The person that's staring me right in the face right now is Kyler Murray. That QB1 upside is supreme. And but in a QB ten in a ten person league, the worst quarterback in theory that is going to be starting in my rankings is going to be. Sorry guys, is going to be Jalen Hurts, and I'd be very 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 happy with Jalen Hurts being my quarterback given that upside. So I don't think I'm going to pick a quarterback here, but I don't like. I really don't – okay, there is one wide receiver staring me in the face now. I didn't see him before. 
Let me guess. Let me guess. <laughs> CD Lamb. <laughs> yes, yes, you you are correct here. <laughs> I am actually uh personally a Cooper guy though. So there is kind of a decision here. I do have CD a little bit higher in my rankings just because Oh, actually, I'm mistaken. I have Cooper a little bit higher in my rankings at 12 over 14. And that just might just be because of the consistency there. So one thing to consider there, though, with Lamb over Cooper, if you're a Lamb over Cooper supporter, is because Cooper has never finished as a top wide receiver for 15 in a season. That might be because of health or quarterback play. But I really do think last year of him and Dak are healthy the whole year. He's – Easily a top 10 or top eight wide receiver. The pace he was on was literally insane. Dak was obviously going to throw 6,000 yards. So I think both of them were going to be monsters. And given that I have Keenan Allen, I that's a pretty solid wide receiver one. It is. It is a solid RB1 or receiver one, excuse me. I think if it were me, and I'm looking at your team, you have two great running backs, obviously, already. But I'm still considering David Montgomery just because I think he's going to be really good this year. Uh, I'm not taking him, but I'm considering it. Um, if the player I'm taking is probably going to – would be CeeDee Lamb. Um, it's hard to take him over David Montgomery just for the – due to the running backs. And I think the running backs are starting to fall off after these next couple picks here, after him and Chris Carson, I think there's a big drop. Um, so I'm interested in them, but I do think CD lamb is really good. I think that the only thing that you got to consider is just that there are uh, a fair amount of receivers left on the board that are going to be going in the next couple rounds. So. And I can't pick Kyle Pitts here. Contrary to popular belief. As we've seen uh, as other uh, media outlets have shown Kyle Pitts would have to be the best rookie tight end of all time to even be worth a draft pick at all, really. Um, so, let me make sure my rankings are right here. But um, yeah, I'm picking Chris Carson here. I think his um, overall his offensive line gotten better because Russell Wilson bitched about it uh, to the media and everybody around him. So they made it better. So I'm picking Chris Carson here. His injury label on him is not actually as real as you would think. He's played more games than some stars that you would think of as Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Christian McCaffrey missed the whole season, but that is something given that Christian McCaffrey, other than that injury didn't miss. I don't think he missed a game if I'm not mistaken. So, and he's also as durable as other stars as well. So, I think that injury label, just because he missed a couple games at the end of the year a couple of years ago, has plagued him. But overall, I think that's a very solid pick for me. In Just as a mock draft, I think I have to put him at my flex now. But in reality, this would be a great pick for me to just trade. And you got to know your league. I think that's something I wanted to add here as well. Um, we're from the Pacific Northwest, so picking Chris Carson here – and knowing your league, so if you're from Minnesota, maybe you picked Dalvin Cook because you know the guy 
your best friend will trade you the world for him. Maybe you pick Chris Carson a couple picks. I'm not saying a whole round or two rounds, but a couple picks above ADP because you know the value there is going to be pushed up a little bit because people are in your draft room or in your league value him higher because they like watching him on Sunday. I think that's a really good point. For me, I have David Montgomery at 30 and Chris Carson at 32. And for me, David Montgomery is a really um, – he has a higher ceiling but a lower floor than Chris Carson. And uh, it's the opposite with Chris Carson. I think he has a higher floor, lower ceiling. Um, but they both have great ceilings, pretty solid floors as well. So it's really close to the tiebreaker. Um, you might need a tiebreaker. And like you said, con- considering that we have a lot of Seattle fans in our main league, uh, Chris Carson's more valuable than David Montgomery just on day one, just due to that. Um, but I am over here feeling really crappy about how that worked out because I really wanted David Montgomery. He's my 30th overall running back. So I really was thinking I was about to get a steal here uh, or 30th overall player, excuse me, not running back. Um, thinking I was going to get a steal here, get my second running back and be feel really good about the rest of my picks uh, load up on receiver, but that did not happen. Uh, so Things I'm considering here, uh, Tyler Murray would be – is in play for me just because I could give myself two advantages. I think Kyler Murray's the number one quarterback. Darren Waller um, at tight end is a top three tight end, and nobody's close. So I could potentially give myself some positional advantages. Um, but we already talked about C.D. Lamb being there, and he is still on the board. And so I can't pass that up. So I'm going to go CD Lamb. I think he has big breakout potential. Um, and we could see him as a top 10 receiver this year. And I would not be even remotely surprised. Lamar any of Jackson. Picks, any of these picks surprising you so far, Sam? Chris Godwin at uh, right behind CD Lamb is a little bit shocking to me. Just because he didn't really showcase a lot for me last year. I had him on a couple of my fantasy teams because I thought – Tom Brady, you know, going to be the guy. Who, Chris Godwin was a slot guy, short, intermediate route guy. I thought they were going to have a connection. And it just didn't really showcase. And I think A.B. now being there um, just doesn't really help Chris Godwin's case. So I don't really like that ADP at all. I, I like I like A.B. at his ADP the best. And then it's Mike Evans. And then it's Chris Godwin. I just really – yeah, I really don't like that pick given – um, just for the King three, I'd rather see them pick either of the Rams receivers, Julio Jones. There's yeah, either any of these top seven guys, I would rather see than Chris Godwin. I would have, I would have rather picked uh, Robert Woods as well. Um, I would not have picked really anybody else um, over him. Um, as far as receivers that are on the board, I could have talked myself into Cooper Cup. I think they're the same tier. I could have talked myself into Deontay Johnson. I think they're the same tier as well. Um, but I think Chris Godwin is much better than people give him credit for. Two years ago, he broke out in a big way, uh, personally helped me win a championship, showed his talent um, in a year where he was very healthy and was a huge uh, – huge asset to your fantasy team last year, I think was mostly due to injury um, that he didn't perform as well as you might've hoped. Um, Here's some of his stats for you in week one, 13 points, week two hurt 
Week three, 17 points. Week four, week five, hurt. Week six, nine points. Week seven, 23. Week eight, hurt. Week nine, seven, 10. Week 10, 15. Week 11, 18. Week 12, 17. Thirty. So really, we're just looking at. Of course, he missed. Let's see, four games. But there's only out of the out of the rest of the games, he only had three under ten, and one of those was a nine nine point eight. So yeah, a couple games we had really good point uh, put um, where he put out really good points. Really only did that twice with 23 and 30. The other games, he was mostly just pretty. I think the best value there is is Antonio Brown, um, just because of how low he's being drafted. But I, he's not the one I'd like to have on my team the most, that's for sure. Um, but after Chris Godwin, so he went directly after my pick of CeeDee Lamb, there was Miles Sanders, a running back with I Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, uh, Darrell Henderson, and it is now my pick. So Question for I, you while you – sorry, Sam. Question for you while you make for it. pick just on some uh, news that happened in the last couple of weeks here. And given the pick that just happened before you – where do you see Sonny Michelle in the Daryl Henderson situation? Um, did you do you think at, team three is making some interesting picks to me? I don't know if I would have picked Daryl Henderson there, given not at all, given the running backs and the wide receivers, and given their team. Kyler Murray kind of looks at you in the face there. Um, what? Yeah, give me your thoughts on the, the running back situation coming out of Los Angeles there. I'm terrified if to draft any of those players. I think Daryl Anderson, he's – I mean, he could be – he could definitely turn out to be worth this pick, but I would never do it. I have him rated as my 60, 60th overall player, um, and so I think he should have gone just under 20 picks later. Um, but that's mostly just due to the fear I have that Sony Michelle is just going to get just enough work. And I – I don't even believe that if for some reason um, Sony Michelle isn't that great, I don't, I think they're going to involve, they were, I wouldn't be surprised if they involved Xavier Jones as well. A uh, guy who showed out a little bit in the preseason, um, another running back in LA. Uh, so I just don't think there's any, unless somebody on that squad absolutely balls out. I don't see anybody taking the role um, as a, a hold of it as we thought maybe Cam, Cam Akers might do. Um, but I definitely don't have the confidence in Darrell Henderson. He does have the ability to put up big weeks. He did that last year when he did get his shots, but I don't think you trade for um, – I don't think you go out and make a trade if you're not looking to have that person be involved at least a little bit. Um, so they could have – if they just needed depth, they could have signed a free agent, and they didn't do that. So I think they did it for a reason. and. Um, I would be really nervous about that. So personally, I think that's a bad pick, but I can see how somebody could talk themselves into it. What do you think? You agree? Yeah, for the most part, I think Daryl Henderson is going to be the guy. Uh, but 
that's a situation that I, I'm, I'm just trying to stay away from. If you're not Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, or Matt Stafford in the very late rounds, I'm not touching you as a – oh, or the Rams defense, I'm not touching you this year. Or Matt Gay, the kicker, is pretty good as well. Okay, so I want to point out a little bit of a situation I've got myself into here. So I've gone – my last few picks have been uh, – let's see here – Kamara – uh, Calvin Ridley, Darren Waller, CeeDee Lamb, and now it's my fifth pick. And what I was talking about, the running backs, they thin out really quick. I'm at the point now where I'm concerned about my running back too. Um, I think the pick is obviously um, going to be James Robinson here. I think he's probably just falling because the ADP hasn't updated enough. But I think in most drafts he'd probably already have been gone. Um, so that's why I was going to say I think the running, the running backs that are left after him, you don't feel good about as your RB2. Kareem Hunt, he was fine last year, but you know he's always got to share time. You, you're never safe when he's your running back too. And Miles Gaskin, I think, is a guy who could be good and would have been my pick here if James Robinson wasn't on the board. Uh, but he hasn't shown that he has got that role locked down. I think it is his role, but I don't think he's shown anything for you to feel – Super great about him being your RB2. Um, he did good last year, but he hasn't. I don't feel as though he's really locked that in um, indefinitely or um, has proved that it's really his role. I think he's looking good for this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he if he lost that role. So I don't feel great about Gaskin as my RB2. Love him as a three or a depth piece. Um, so I'm happy I got James Robinson here because I do think he's locked in as their RB1 uh, in Jacksonville. but. Um, they do clear out quick. So that's why I always put a premium on running backs. So uh, let's see here. Next few picks. We got Cooper cup, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. And now it's Gabby. Kyler Murray was easily the pick here at um, 508. Agreed. Elite quarterback with the upside. Now him and Russ, the tier is over. The top five quarterbacks are gone, and I think there is – well, Aaron Rodgers does provide – no, there's – sorry, my bad. Dak and Aaron Rodgers are still here. So we have a couple guys still left in the tier. So we're not going to force it. No reason to ever force a quarterback position. I understand if you force running back, tight end. Yeah, that's about it. Never force a running back <laughs> position. Never force a quarterback position. Never force a wide receiver position. But this isn't a force here. He's been one of the most consistent wide receivers in the last three years. Bobby Trees here at pick 508. I need a wide receiver, too, that is consistent, that will be able to get me consistent in PPR, consistent catches with a new quarterback to new heights. I think that's a great pick. If I wasn't uh, – if I hadn't needed a running back there, so if I had not drafted Darren Waller with my third pick, I probably would have ended up taking a running back and then would have had two receivers and two running backs. Might have drafted Kyler Murray, but Robert Woods is a great pick there. He would have – those would have been my two um, two choices, I think, if, at my last pick. So I think that's a great pick to get him a few picks later even. So fully endorse that. Robert Woods is a good, consistent player. 
Mark Always Andrews is. was the guy I was hoping to fall back to me. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, Jamar Chase at this ADP, I think is a guy you need to stay away from. Everything out of camp and on the preseason footage has been bad this year. Given that G. Higgins is going to uh, have another step up this year, and Tyler Boyd has proven to be the consistent slot receiver, and they're both going rounds later than Jamar Chase, I think they're both going to have better stats overall and provide better value for you. So Jamar Chase at this ADP, I think, is just a guy I'm trying to stay away from. And while wide receivers are still here, such as Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, and even Michael Thomas, someone, if you have an IR spot, I think is a great add at this ADP. Yeah, I would stay away from Jamar Chase here. I have him as, this might shock you, but I have actually have him as wide receiver 38. Someone behind the likes of Marquise Brown, Marcus Callaway, LaVisca Chanel, Michael Pittman Jr., Robbie Anderson, Corey Davis. I, I do want to say, since we're talking about Jamar, I personally have him significantly higher than uh, what I would imagine most people have him. I have him as my 71, uh, 71st overall player. I think that he was awesome in college, and I loved him coming out of LSU. I'm a big believer in his talent. I think that not playing last year, he was a COVID opt-out, you know, to maintain or to keep his, uh, his value. He opted out, which I think I would have done in his situation as well. So I don't have any problem with that. I think he's still great. I think he probably is just going to need a little bit of time after not playing football for a year, probably just can't show up to the best, best players in the world and just start balling out after a year off. So I don't think that's crazy. I think that makes complete sense to me. Not hearing anything overly concerning. Um, it is definitely a little concerning to hear that he hasn't been showing out in practice at all and that there's absolutely no hype coming out about him. Um, but I think there's an obvious reason for that. And from my own eyes, my what I've watched from what I, my own research, I'm a big Jamar Chase believer in general. I don't know if this is going to be his year because I don't know how long it's going to take him take for him to get it acclimated to the NFL if it's already causing him some problems. But I think he's a great late round flyer. I have him as my 74th overall player. I have him just behind people like Juju and Debo Samuel. Um, but I'm drafting him before Corey Davis, LaVisca Chenault, and uh, Devonta Smith. So I think he has uh, value. And I'm here at my 603 pick. Uh, something I have wanted to talk about here just for a quick second is roster construction. And when you come to your rankings, uh, for example, here, I have a player such as Deontay Johnson and Brandon Ayuk rated higher than Tyler Lockett. But given my team currently now and that I already have two strong wide receivers, I could go tight end here and TJ Hawkinson. And that might be my pick here now that I'm talking, now that I saw him. But what I was thinking about doing was picking Tyler Lockett here just because of the upside. And give, but Deontay Johnson and Brandon Ayuk, I predict they're going to be at the end of the year, might have higher projections. But I think the high upside of Tyler Lockett and this guy being the first guy off my bench in this instance is something I would root that what I would find really appealing to me. 
Because I don't think Deontay and Brandon Ayuk have the upside of Tyron Lockett that we saw last year. The ability to go off for 13 receptions, 200 yards, three touchdowns, have one of the greatest wide receiver games we've seen of the year, him or Tyreek. It was him or Tyreek. So, but now that I saw TJ Hawkinson, he's my tight end four. I don't have a tight end. I think he's going to be the number one target. And I think he's going to break out to another level. And there's a drop-off after him. So I think he's the easy pick here now, looking at it. On my board, I do have TJ Hawkinson. One one spot ahead of Brandon Ayuk, who you mentioned earlier, as a really interesting potential breakout. Um, so I love both of those guys. I, had, I also had uh, Tyler Lockett a few picks ahead of both of those guys. And then even farther ahead, I had Deontay Johnson. So that was a great point that you made because I as well would have picked Tyler Lockett because how is how is Deont- uh, Deontay Johnson getting on the field ahead of uh, Keenan Allen or Robert Woods ever? Um, so you might you might put Tyler Lockett out there if you need a big game. Uh, so I think that's a, a really great point you made, but I as well would have picked TJ Hawkinson just because he's the last tight end that I really feel confident with. I have him ranked ahead of uh, Mark Andrews, so I think it's a big steal to get him now. But if I don't get Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson, I'm not interested in Kyle Pitts. And if I don't get those other top three guys, I'm I'm a little stressing. But of course, we still we still got a yeah. Higby still available. So you know you could always you could always go Higby way later. <laughs> All right. So last few picks here were Miles Gaskin, Michael Thomas, Brandon Ayuk. So I want to ask you, how you how do you feel about Michael Thomas? Um Michael Thomas here at his ADP. Um I don't know. I don't think that's the move. I I maybe that's a little bit high. With Tyler Lockett on the board, I think that's a pick you just got to make. We know Michael Thomas is out for the, at least the first five weeks. Um, that is going to be brutal. And when we come back, we know Jameis is going to be in there, so that's a bump up from Taysom. And I assume Michael Thomas is going to uh, get his target share. But with players such as Deontay Johnson, someone who was top five in targets last year, behind only behind – I'm doing this off the top of my head, but it's Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and – I forget who the last guy was, but some other crazy. That's okay. Allen Robinson, I think it was. But anyway, those guys are super highly targeted. And then it was Deontay Johnson. So point being, uh, I think that those guys just provide upside that's just going to be higher than Michael Thomas. And somebody that's going to just take up a roster spot or an IR spot here at six, I think is a little sketchy. I also am taking a few guys ahead of Michael Thomas. I think you just there's so much guaranteed value, um, or at least a value that's going to be worth something for the beginning of the year that's still on the board. I just can't. I just couldn't justify taking Michael Thomas yet. But but it's not the craziest thing that's ever happened. But we mentioned earlier, no need to talk too much about it. Deontay Johnson, my highest rated receiver on the board. You just talked about how many targets he gets. That's easy one for me. I'm going to take Deontay Johnson. Currently in my flex spot. So 
not bad in my in my opinion. So then the next few picks that go, Odell goes. Okay, so it was Aaron Rodgers, Adam Thielen, Odell Beckham. Uh, sad for me. A Tyler Lockett finally goes after we talked about it for so much. Dak Prescott, Kenny Galladay. All right, so for me, taking a quick look at the board here. It might be Chase Claypool time. T. Higgins and him are both on the board right now. I'm slightly higher on T. Higgins. Is that the case for you, Gabby? I am higher on Claypool. Claypool is wide receiver 22, while Higgins is wide receiver 26 for me. I am going to go T. Higgins here. Slightly higher on him. I think he has a slightly clearer path to um, to get more targets. I think he's a better player than Tyler Boyd, and I think he's potentially a better player than Jamar Chase, even though I just talked so highly of him. But I think he is potentially just one of the better receivers in the NFL or is on his way to be. So I'm going to take that. Um, whereas I think on Pittsburgh, Juju and Deontay are no slouches. Not that Cincinnati has slouches, but – I think they're not as good as the – or they're better than the the other receivers that are on Cincinnati, and I think that Cincinnati is more likely to have to throw the ball more. So this year, I'm taking T. Higgins. So I have an interesting pick here at the 7-8 spot. There's a bunch of flex options that I can go here with, with Chase Claypool, Devonta Smith, Juju, Gus, Arhe Mosert. But I think I'm going to go quarterback time because I know this guy probably isn't coming back to me. Uh, Justin Herbert has an upside again, and I love the stack. Not Don't force the stack, but if you, the stack comes to you, you can take it. So Justin Herbert here at his ADP going after guys such as Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers. This is exactly where you need to take him. For, on my rankings, he is quarterback seven, so – this is an easy pick for me. I think that's a great pick. Anytime Keenan Allen scores, you're going to get a boost from Justin Herbert. Um, that's just how – stacks are a good way to get dominant weeks. Um, but like you said, don't force it. But I love that pick there, that combination. I probably would not have picked a quarterback that high that I don't absolutely think is one of the top guys. So Justin Herbert probably would not have picked him that high. But I respect it and I understand the pick. All right. So, ooh, a couple guys here that fell to me after I talked. But the guys that I had talked about that I thought I was looking at at the turn were Devonta Smith and Juju Smith, who I'd gone, other guys being Tom Brady and Jalen Waddle. But here, I think there's one running back that really does stand out here. Given the injury to J.K. Dobbins right now, he's the only running back in the backfield. Um they might sign a free agent. Watch out for Latavius Murray. He might be cut soon from New Orleans. Uh, but I think Gus Edwards is the guy. They like him a lot. He's obviously going to at least be the first and second down guy. They might be bringing a third down or a change of pace back. But Gus is definitely the guy that I'll pick here. I think that – oh, and Chase Claypool goes right after him. I was hoping he would come to me, but – 
Um, I think that brings up another point that uh, you picking Gus Edwards so late here. I have him as my 44th overall player, um, and he went as the 73rd. So um, he went way back, obviously. Um, and I, he's just so recently uh, a value that his ADP is still so low that I had missed him. So, you know, you got to look, got to make sure you're looking at all the players uh, that are available to you. Gus Edwards, an absolute steal here. Um, love that pick. So for me, after uh, Chase Claypool, it was Jerry Judy, then Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert, one of the best value backs, in my opinion, at this point in the draft. Would have been a great pick for me. We're a little bit running back needy over here on Team Sam. Looking at the running backs that are available, there's Trey Sermon would be probably the most interesting, just a guy that might be able to do something. Let's say he's what could be a pick for me here. But there's still guys, Debo Samuel, uh, Robbie Anderson, guys that I find interesting. Double-checking my rankings here. I think the pick is going to be have to be Robbie Anderson. I love his opportunity as the first or second receiver, in my opinion, on the Panthers, who I think is going to be a team that is not – is going to have to pass. I don't think they're going to be ahead in a lot of games. We'll just say that. Um, so I think Robbie Anderson's a great, a great pick here. Another home run breaker. Um, so good pick for my team here to go with uh, Deontay Johnson, a guy who's a little bit more of a sure thing each, from week to week. Okay. So following Robbie Anderson, Debo Samuel, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton, and Leonard Fournette. So I think the pick for me has got to be Trey Sermon, just uh, the value of what he could be. Um, it's not a pick that I absolutely love for myself um, because, you know, he's not even a, a starter at this point. He's a rookie, unproven. But his potential with Raheem Mostert's injury history – and my need for running backs, I only have two. Um, I'm going to have to take him here. So, Trey Sermon, it is. The upside with Trey Sermon is insane. College hand-in-hand hand and running backs go hand-in-hand. Hand. So, it's just a matter of when, not if with him. But my Agreed. pick – Sorry, go ahead. If uh, you were able to – if I was – able to get the RB2 for San Francisco over the last two years, I'd be very, very happy. You know what I mean? That from what the points that the RB2 in San Francisco has scored over the last two years and just any of the running backs on, in, that are on San Francisco's roster, doesn't matter if they're the starter. They've all gotten good points some weeks, even Jeff Wilson. So That's a good point. That is a good point. You're starting running back in San Francisco. You are starting on my fantasy football team. Agreed. So, yeah, we just – that's just a, a hope and pray pick there with with good reasoning. So, me here at the 908 spot, uh, I need a backup wide receiver. One guy is staring at me in the face. Every year he beats his ADP. And every year, no one wants to pick him. Brandon Cooks? 
Yes, he's had three one thousand yard seasons on three different teams in a row. Yes, those are three very good teams, but I mean, someone had to be catching those balls. He's a deep threat beast, and he's on a team, the worst team in football this year. So they're gonna have to throw the ball, and he's the unequivocally number one wide receiver. Like, it's not even close. He's gonna get his fair share of targets. And able to get him to just sit on your bench. If I'm able to get him, honestly, I told my some of my close friends as this last year, Brandon Cooks is my flex. I'm happy. And some of them laughed at me. And it proved to be kind of correct. Him as my flex was pretty good. So I'm going to get him again. Rock out with Brandon Cooks. You know, I, I may or may not have been one of those friends who laughed last year. And uh, he, he, was, he was a worthy pick. He didn't light up the world. But he uh, he was a worthy pick, so I can't I can't fault you for that. Let's see who goes all around the turn here. Jarvis Landry, um, always a solid PPR play. Michael Carter, an interesting running back. Da- uh, Damian Harris, kind of hoped he'd fall to me, but that was kind of a long shot. Lavisca Chenault, a great late round flyer. I he would have been in consideration for me as well. Uh, sad to see him go, but Gabby, what are you thinking? It's going to be another wide receiver here. I laid off of them for a little bit here until the end point. Um, all right. And I do think that's a great strategy to get late round receivers. I mean, there's still guys of value. We talked earlier about Antonio Brown still on the board. Um, LaVisca Chenault just went off the board and he has the potential to be the number one in Jacksonville by the end of the year. So lots of value, value still there. So guys, I know a lot. We're going to tell you to be smart here in fantasy, but sometimes at the end of the day, this is a game and we're here to have fun and you want to watch your players succeed. And I'm a Colts fan. And given the news of T.Y. Hilton, I do have Tyler Boyd and Corey Davis ranked higher than this guy. But I believe that he's going to break out this year, and I thought he was going to be the wide receiver one before. But given that our Lord and Savior, T.Y. Hilton, is out, I'm on the Michael Pittman train officially. Um, he's been a beast for us, run after the catch. Him and Carson Wentz are going to build a connection. And after Zach Pascal – Paris Campbell can't stay healthy. Zach Pascal isn't a big play threat. It's Michael Pittman's time to shine. He's the pick here. I do not think that's a bad pick at all. I think uh, Michael Pittman – yeah, I think it's going to be Michael Pittman or Paris Campbell that breaks out. I, I don't really have strong opinions either way. Who it's going to be, I lean Michael Pittman. Uh, but I I think that's a solid pick, a little early for me, but – I think he could definitely uh, break out. And I think it's a good late round flyer for sure. Okay. Then we got James Conner goes after him. Antonio Brown goes. Tyler Boyd, that was who I was targeting. So that's a sad one for me to see, but we're still all good here. So I am going to take – oops. I'm considering two players here. I'm considering – Zach Moss, 
Uh, let's say three players. I'm considering Zach Moss, Corey Davis, and I'm considering uh, – excuse me, Jamal Williams. I only am thinking of running backs because I have so few. But I think Corey Davis is clearly better, and I am going to go with Corey Davis because – oh, excuse me. Oh, no, there's more receivers lower than I thought. Anyways, remember, like I said, you got to look at all the receivers on the board. Forget what I said. There's other receivers that I have ranked higher. we got Curtis Samuel and Marquise Brown, both on there. I'm going to go Curtis Samuel, as I think that he hasn't been playing in the preseason because he's been, he's been hurt, he's been banged up, but he should be back by week one. Um, and he came from Carolina to Washington, where Ron Rivera is obviously the coach. He knows the playbook already. So that's, that's a big plus. Uh, so I don't think he's going to have much of a ramp-up period. So I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel. I think he's a big play potential guy. Corey Davis is another guy that I have ranked around him, like I mentioned. Uh, Corey Davis has the chance to get the, get, a, get the number one role, but I think I've already got enough guys on my, on my board that are solid guys. I got T. Higgins or on my team, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley, CeeDee Lamb. I want the guy who can do big stuff. And Curtis Samuel last year was doing making having big weeks. He was one of the better receivers by the end of the year at the end of the year. So Curtis Samuel it is. I think that's a great pick, Sam. Uh given that he's clearly I think he's clearly in line for wide receiver two work. He might be the third target behind Logan Thomas, but Given that Washington went out and got him three years, $35 million, they're committing some sort of money to him and his ability to take end arounds and rushing attempts as well, I think is a huge upside. And this late in the round, you're picking guys that can be league winners, guys like that can might crack the roster. Guys that you don't want to pick during this round are guys such as Devin Singletary, guys that will get you eight points a game every week like you know he's going to get you points but they're not good enough points that you want to start so you want guys that you think could break out guys that you think can make it to your to your roster there's that there is a pathway to that um success okay so yeah one of the um i do think that Corey davis has that chance. I just I don't think that even if he – I think he has a higher chance to break out and be a solid fantasy option, but I still don't think he's going to get over my receivers who are Calvin Ridley, CeeDee Lamb, and Deontay Johnson, even if he does the best he can, which I think is probably just a solid receiver. Like you mentioned, Curtis Samuel can get big plays, and that's why I went with him even though I do have Corey Davis ranked slightly higher. Um, coming around again, let's see here. I am going to go with a guy that I have ranked significantly lower than some of the receivers on the board, Zach Moss. And that's because I have very, very few running backs. I have three running backs, and one of them is Trey Sermon. So I kind of just need a running back. And he's literally the last running back on the board 
that I have any excitement about drafting. And that's just because I think he has a chance to be the number one running back in Buffalo. And I think Buffalo is a Super Bowl contender. So I'm not super high on Zach Moss by any means, but just looking at his situation, I think he's, uh, he's worth the pick and uh, a good addition to my squad. And the last person with any excitement that plays running back. So in my mind. All right. Looks like some quarterbacks coming off the board. You still do not have a quarterback it's looking like right now. And do not. The best quarterback still left, in my opinion, is Jalen Hurts. And then there is a pretty significant drop-off here. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but I do have an idea of where Chan is going here with the strategy now that he hasn't picked one. Um, I'll let him reveal that. But now here at the 11.08 spot, um, I picked back-to-back wide receivers, and there really isn't a world where Logan Thomas was going to be the tight end I picked here just because he did have upside here at 11 but now that he is gone, there's not going to be a reason why I ever start these tight ends over TJ Hawkinson. I think he's just going to provide that steady tight end one production where I'm not going to look for another tight end. And Go with your guys. Sometimes I can't go on this show, spew about a guy for 10 minutes and not pick him. So here I'm going to pick Jamal Williams. Great value. Just great, great value. I don't, on this roster, he might not see the field, but he's a great insurance policy just in case someone uh, were to get hurt. Yeah, if I if I was anywhere near as high as uh, you were on Jamal Williams, he would have been for sure my pick, uh, my last pick there. But just a little recap of what's gone on since uh, Gabby's pick. The pick before, Logan Thomas, I just wanted to mention that I think he is going to be have a lot of volume for a tight end. Um, and I think he's going to be one of the better tight ends. I think he's potentially going to be better than – I definitely think he's going to be better than Gronk and Gusecki, who both went before him. Um, and I think he has a chance to be better than Logan Thomas. So, and I think he's probably going to be better than Kyle Pitts too. So Logan Thomas goes in the 11th round. Um, and I think he should have gone higher. Um, anyways, after that, Jalen Hurts goes right after Gabby, who is a guy that I think everything about him points to, he should be a good fantasy quarterback. He's got, he wants to run the ball uh, or is going to run the ball and he's, my problem is he's just – I just don't trust the passing, and I do think he's going to get figured out. Um, so he's going to have to prove it to me. I, I don't want to draft him, even though everything about him seems like he should be good for fantasy. Uh, but following him, A.J. Dillon, one of uh, Gabby's handcuffs, gets taken. Tyler Higby, i uh, like to see him go. Uh, David Johnson, and now Gabby again. Good point. Handcuffs being taken. But since I have Chris Carson and I took him in the fourth round and Gus Edwards, I have four starting running backs on my roster right now. So now the handcuff strategy isn't as necessary as possible. So now we're here for upside. Guys that provide and that. Sorry. Just to sorry to interject real quick, but just while we're on the subject of handcuffs, there is literally no one more likely to be dropped early than handcuffs for any for any any handcuffs. Unless you're a savvy player, and even if you are, if you're not doing good, you're 
dropping players to get players that are going to contribute to your team. So if you don't get your handcuff here, keep an eye on the waiver wire. They're likely to be dropped. Keep an eye on your waiver wire. You might get them down the line. So sorry to interrupt. What were you saying, Gabby? That's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, but I was saying just high upside flex options or wide receivers here include most of these guys run a f- sub 4-3. So we're looking at Will Fuller, Marquise Brown, Darnell Mooney, Michael Hardman, Henry Ruggs. Those are some guys that you're looking at here at the wide receiver spot, flex spot, Marquise Calloway as well. Um, I just don't need that on my roster. My first five guys – don't ever have a reason to sit. Let's say one of them is out for the season. Gus Edwards, Brandon Cooks, Michael Pittman, Jamal Williams easily suffices the job here. So I already talked about tight end. The tight end position is too shallow to waste another role on that. So I'm going to go with one of my guys here at the quarterback position. I'm taking Justin Fields. He has the biggest upside. I talked about him earlier. No, nothing else needs to be said. I think that's a great pick, a great pairing, a great pairing. I think you're almost guaranteed to have a usable quarterback from just those two guys the rest of the season. Um, so for me, I am also very happy, and this is the time for me to now take Trey Lance, who is not even going to be the starter likely next year, but I just think that he is – Worth the pick, or not next year, this year, to start the season. Likely not going to be the starter. Um, but I just think that the chance of him coming in, I, I can be fine for a couple weeks with basically any other quarterback. So as long as I get somebody else here, I'm very happy with Trey Lance as my quarterback. One thing I wanted to add on that, some good quarterbacks before you make your pick here, that I have been picking in some of my drafts with Justin Fields that I think are – some excellent pairings, at least in the early weeks, is Matt Ryan. He starts off versus Philadelphia, and his defense didn't get any better. They decided to spend the fourth pick on a tight end, which is cool for fantasy, but when you think about it from a football's perspective, didn't really make much sense given that their offense has always been elite. So expect Matt Ryan to throw the ball a lot more. Also another guy I like a lot is Kirk Cousins in the early weeks. Um, those are two guys that I like really pairing with Trey Lance and Justin Fields for the first three or four weeks until those guys uh, get the starting job. Well, in Trey Lance's case, I wouldn't draft him here because he's as good as Peyton Manning in a, a redraft league. <laughs> uh, there's no chance that Peyton Manning's coming out of the Monday night booth, though, to play quarterback. So, um, <laughs> And uh, Peyton Manning could never even dream of being as mobile of, as uh, Trey Lance. So, um, yeah, I'm taking this flyer. Like I said, I don't think it's really any more risk uh, than Justin Fields just because – and I actually have Justin Fields ranked one spot lower just because I don't really believe in Justin Fields. I think he's a boomer bust. Like I said, he's either going to be great for fantasy or he's going to be terrible in my – in my opinion. And I think, I think Trey Lance is a little bit of a better quarterback. I'm willing to wait a little bit longer for a little bit better shot of being better uh, for fantasy. So it might be, it might be a waste of a pick, but it is only pick 12. So that's, that's why I pulled the trigger there. And uh, I don't really care all that much who I pair with him because like I said, the rest of the guys are pretty mediocre. So 
took my shot to get a really good guy, and I agree Matt Ryan is the best guy left on the board. Always been a Matty Ice fan. Always think been uh, always thought he was a little bit underrated, and they of course have a terrible D. So great combo. A guy I would be considering there in uh, some drafts as well is Tua. Uh, again, year two jump is a real thing. You're going to see some of that here. And his weapons are for real with the signing of Will Fuller and, and the drafting of Jalen Waddle, his teammate from Alabama. I do think this if there's going to be any year for a progression, this is the year. I think this might honestly be his, like, prove-it year. If he doesn't do it this year, they might trade for a guy such as Deshaun Watson or just look to improve because that team is ready to win with a quarterback, and I don't think they have time to wait. But here at my uh, 1308 pick, last pick of the draft, your team should already be set here with your last pick. You're just kind of taking flyers here. Um, some guys that stand out to me when I'm scrolling are guys such as Marcus Callaway. Okay, that's prob- that is going to be my pick here. But just wanted to talk about some other guys this year. Well, uh, Gerald Everett. Great tight end. Brian Edwards. Uh, John Gruden has been quoted earlier in camp as quoting him as being T.O.-like in his size. We did hear about that as well last year, and it didn't pan out. But I am a believer this year. That might just be a little bit biased because he's the last man on my roster. But Paris Campbell will have a big season as well, as long as he doesn't get hurt me as a Colts fan. He's very talented. And he will produce as long as he's on the field is his biggest, biggest concern. But let me not waste any more time. Marcus Callaway is the pick here. Jameis Winston, gunslinger uh, with the speedy wide receiver with no Michael Thomas. Getting a wide receiver one in an offense as your last pick is a steal. Um, Nothing else needs to be said. I think if it's me – and I, if I'm on, if I'm your, if you're, if I have your roster, I'm considering Tony Pollard here. Um, but that's the only running back that I'd consider. Um, and then I, I definitely think Marquez Callaway was the pick there. Uh, but I don't think it would have been terrible to take a shot on Elijah Moore, Marvin Jones, Russell Gage, I think is one of the more interesting players. Um, and uh, there's been some camp hype for Jacoby Myers. I'm not really on that train. Uh, Jalen Rager, if you think he could have broken out, or uh, yeah, Christian Kirk, I think also could be somebody that might be something. Just a couple last pick flyers for you there. But uh, after Marquez Galloway go or Callaway, excuse me, goes uh, Tony Pollard and Elijah Moore. So those are the last two guys in the draft. Um, so that concludes our first episode and our first mock draft. Uh, I'd just like to say that I appreciate anybody listening for joining us. Um, And uh, we should have said probably off the bat, but this draft, mock draft, is taking place on August 30th, 2021. Um, So as you all know, there's potential for things to change when we wake up tomorrow. So uh, just so you know when the draft was. Anything you'd like to add before we go, Gabby? Um. I'd like to say, yeah, thank you for listening to our first podcast and I'd like to give a quick recap of our teams here. Sam was able to pick uh, just a quick, quickly. 
Kamara, Calvin Ridley, Darren Waller, CeeDee Lamb, James Robinson, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, Robbie Anderson, Trey Sermon, Curtis Samuel, Zach Moss, and a couple quarterbacks here at the end, and Trey Lance and Matt Ryan. Very solid team overall. I think as a 10-team squad, the quarterback upside is there definitely with Trey Lance, and he definitely has running back upside with Kamara and Trey Sermon and James Robinson as a steady uh, little baseline. I was able to pick Zeke, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, Carson, Woods, Hawkinson, Herbert, Edwards, Brandon Cooks, Michael Pittman, Jamal Williams, Justin Fields, Marcus Callaway. I think my team turned out pretty well at the eighth spot. Uh, been kind of doing this for a while, so I kind of knew what was going to happen. Zeke kind of following to me, changed my strategy a little bit, but all in all, I think it turned out pretty well. But again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Hopefully we get better at this, uh, just with more practice uh, with better equipment as well. But again, thank you for listening and spending time with us tonight. Yeah, that concludes uh, the first episode of the Sam and Gabby football pod- fantasy football podcast. Um, we appreciate it and uh, have a good one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um,